0: Welcome to Gospel Matters, where the gospel interacts with everyday life. Well, it's great to be back, and I'm excited to be back in the studio today with uh, Pastor Casey Sees, And we are continuing in on our series that we've been doing the past two weeks of demystifying discipleship. We want to take the veil off, so to speak, this idea of discipleship and help people with some real practical tools to help them disciple not only in their family, not only uh, amongst their friends, but also in the community and, and God's community here in the church. So we're gonna be talking about that aspect of it today is what community can, uh, how community can be involved in the process of discipleship. So how are you doing today, Casey?
1: Brent, I'm doing well. I love this topic because it's essential to... Um, our our existence as followers of Jesus. I mean, He commissions us to make disciples and gives us His Word and His Holy Spirit and His victory over sin, death, and Satan through the power of His resurrection after He died on the cross and His uh, promise to return one day for His church. And so uh, we, we have great privilege to really endeavor to work through demystifying the idea of discipleship um, and be able to identify what does it mean to be discipled? How do you know if you're being discipled? or if you have been discipled and what to do about it if you don't really feel like you're in a, in, a, in the context of being discipled right now because that's essential in the faith. And I think it, I think we just have to move beyond just the embarrassment of saying, I don't really know what to do yeah. and just humble ourselves and ask for help um, because God's been so faithful just through those moments of, for me, feeling embarrassed telling people, go and ask some men, hey, can we hang out some? I would love to get to know you and, and, and learn from you and, and just been blessed by it. Most believers may say no because either they, one, don't have time or two, they don't know how to do that. Um, but mostly, most of the guys I've connected with have been willing at least once a quarter to have a meal together um, or a phone call or something for me to ask questions. And so I think we we have to um, talk about in general what we're going for and then understand there's a lot of flexibility in how that always plays out. And then there's some specific ways that we're trying to cultivate here at Christ Community Church for people to experience true uh, life transforming discipleship.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt that discipleship is so important to what we do as a church. I know it's just crucial to the ministry of Christ Community Church. And as I think about it, you know, one of the things that uh, I've been thinking about a lot lately is this question of, of how much during the week do I actually think about discipleship? Right, yeah. And I think about it very little to some degree. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's disturbing to some extent because God's commission, Jesus' commission to his church was to go and make disciples. That's really the, <clears throat> the most pressing command on the church and think that I can go whole weeks without really thinking about what God has commanded me to do is, is a little bit disturbing. And I wanna start thinking about it more. And I want our people, our listeners, to start thinking about discipleship more uh, so that they can it can become part of the normal rhythms of their lives. And so taking off the veil of what it means to disciple people I think is really important. So I, I've really enjoyed doing this series uh, with you. Now, what I wanna talk about today, uh, what we're gonna talk about today is really the role community can play Uh, in discipling one another, and particularly when it comes to really intentional, personal, one-on-one or small group discipleship. So we're going to talk about that today, of this idea of coming together in a small group or maybe one-on-one with another believer and doing intentional discipleship. So let's do this, Casey. What is the role of intentional discipleship in the life of the Christian?
1: Objectively, kind of big picture with that is intentional discipleship is something that we are to posture ourselves under and take responsibility for with other people and um, really take responsibility for new believers as well. And so, um, you know, some people like to put it like the idea of Paul. So, you know, you have have Paul who, um, you know, was discipled along the way. And then you have Paul who was a co-laborer with Barnabas. And then there's a Paul who had a Timothy, right? And somebody that he was discipling. So, you know, along the way, Paul was discipled along the way. And then uh, by the Spirit of God, and, and also we see times when he's confronted in other places and and, and people teach him more about the faith. And then we see him engaging with Barnabas. And then we see him really pouring into Timothy. And, and we see then Timothy, who is being um, discipled by Paul and then commissioned to then raise up elders of the church and then to provide environments for them to replicate themselves elsewhere. And so I, I see very much a biblical precedent for that, you know, with Jesus and his disciples. Um, and then how his disciples went and made disciples, who made disciples. Uh, and we're still, um, facing the consequence of that today, but also for us, it's just that mindset that how do we encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to take that next step in their faith journey, to be mindful of the Lord, to realize and be reminded that they exist for God's glory and that, that their life, nothing that they do is outside of the realm of worship because we're either doing it for God's glory or for our own. And right. so we, we are constantly in that tension and intentional discipleship says, hey, we're going to have some relationships that can speak to those things.
0: Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Who are some important disciplers in your life? Who are some people that have mentored you, who you've looked up to, who have really done some of this kind of intentional discipleship with you?
1: Yeah, I have several. Um, one man I would talk about, is, his name is Rod Brace, and Rod has been a mentor and a friend of mine in various capacities Um really since early on in my ministry. And Rod is a gifted leader. Um, he has written some books and he's a, an executive for a healthcare system and, um, and and just, but very approachable, very wise, very gifted in ways that I am not, but very loving and, and encouraging towards me and those. And he's still someone I go to a lot to ask questions of. Another friend is Joey Dotson. He's Dr. Joseph Dotson at Wachita Baptist University. He's a Greek professor and New Testament professor. But uh, early on when I first wanted to speak, and travel and all that he took me under his wing and let me go with him to camps and he would ask me questions i still remember the first time we hung out when i asked him to disciple me he said what do you want the staple of your ministry to be and i said oh well, jesus right and he's like i get that but what about what <laughs> do you bring into the table that if that thread runs through everything you're doing um you'll know you're being faithful to your calling and and i just almost immediately said authenticity being real um, and he said, well, well, I, I would affirm that after getting, after he got to know me more, he said, I would affirm that. And that's one of the ways that you can, um, you know, have a compass in your life and ministry. If you're, if you're feeling like you're drifting away from being sincere, authentic, and real, then you know that you're drifting away from what God's called you and how he's created you and redeemed you to be. Yeah. And so that yeah. was a pivotal moment. Um, I've had other guys like Dr. Rodney Wu, um, at seminary at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, the Houston school, the Harvard school of theology out here. Um, and Dr. Wu is now actually over in Singapore. Um at a uh, at an international church, but Dr. Wu, um, I, I just paid to be discipled by Dr. Wu and took a bunch of his classes, and then he would let me take him to lunch sometimes, and I'll still occasionally email him and ask questions about things, but uh, he was very influential in my life. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think of uh, Chuck Land, who was my pastor in Sugarland, And I think through, um, uh, you know, the time he spent with me early on, he kept always asking me, so when are you going to plant a church? So when are you going to plant a church? And I would tell him, no, I'm, I'm not going to. I think of, uh, you know, my pastor in Brenham, Justin Hyde, who's been a co-laborer with me for a long time. And, and we were always like Paul and Barnabas, I think, and just kind of dealing. Fortunately, we haven't split fellowship or anything like Paul and Barnabas did. But, <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, just there's different people in different places at different time. And, and there are several other people... Um, just, just for time's sake, I, I won't break into Jim Cofield. Uh, I would say, who's who walked us through our sabbatical and has been meeting with us for some time, um, is, is somebody that has really been uh influential in my life, um, for the purpose of life and ministry. And so, um, you know, I think you know, just thinking about these different men along the way, uh, who have invested me in various ways, um, you know, uh, I mean. And and not all of them have sat down with me with the Bible and said, today we're going to go over John chapter two. Some of them have, but some of them really have been helpful in application of the faith, Um, seeing how it works, seeing how it fits in. You know, I'll still call Joey Dotson and I texted him two weeks ago about some Greek and and Mark when we were prepping a sermon and he would help me with that feedback and information. And so all those things. Along the way, have had really uh, strong impact, and and some of the things that people hear me say the most that are, sound the most wise um, were gifted to me, yeah. uh, <laughs> as opposed to things that I just came out of nowhere with. So yeah,
0: yeah, no, I think that's that's what, definitely true. What about trippy? for you, Brent? Well, you know, I think there's there's so many people like like you. I mean, we could stand here for days and, and talk just about the people who have impacted our lives. I think of my parents who were just wonderful disciples or disciples of me as a child. And uh, I, I know that there was one in particular, a, a pastor who in college uh, really introduced me to reform theology. And at a time when I was, we would have great debates and arguments uh, long you? into the night. Absolutely. You, you would have a debate? Absolutely. Oh, and that's I, weird. I, I, I was the farthest <laughs> thing from a Calvinist back then, but uh, he stuck with me and, and just Helped me through just a lot of uh, questions and, and difficult times and, and sin even, uh, and uh, I think of um, uh, my friend, good friend and pastor Jason Johnson back at Woodlands Point, who who uh, also uh, was a great mentor to me uh, while we were there, and Trace Howard, who was an elder there, who who really stuck by me and gave me great advice and teaching and and uh, so yeah, there's just many people who who you look back on your life and you see have have really made an intentional impact on your life and your ministry. And so I, I would affirm you in that and and just inc- what an incredibly important thing that has been, uh, I, I know, for both of us. But as we think about that, let's let's go here. As we think about that, what are some of those elements of attentional discipleship? I mean, you say not every one of them sat down with you and studied Scripture with you. It looked different in different uh, contexts. But what are some of maybe some of the essential elements of D- intentional discipleship uh,
1: one one was a foundation of love and a biblical love where you know love speaks the truth it, it does not rejoice in evil but delights in the truth uh it's patient it's kind uh, i mean i would say there's a foundation of love which was then built upon a foundation of trust Um, There's this element of trust where I knew I could go and bring my doubts and fears and they might correct me or laugh at me, but they're not going to forsake me. And so that was important as well, knowing that they would stand by me if things were, you know, if I had really messed up or life was falling apart. I remember... um, Years ago, I was struggling with some depression. And another guy was a guy named Joel Engel, who's now a pastor in Anchorage, Alaska. But he really helped me early on uh, with Reformed theology as well. And I remember I I was struggling with depression. He said, hey, why why didn't you tell me? And I said, because I was embarrassed. And he went on to just set me straight about that um, and realign that. Um, but but it's just, just they were willing to walk with me both when I was successful and also when I was broken. Um, and and so I think trust is an element. I think prayer um, is a, a constant element in that as well, where we would they would be praying for me. We'd pray together. Um, we would talk about scripture, or theology, um, and so Jesus would be a portion of it. So it's not just like mentorship. And, and hear me, there's some great business mentors or people that have have mentored. Toward, uh, me near and far, but but I wouldn't call it the same type of biblical discipleship, what we're discussing here, um, you know, or coaches I had or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I, I would say that these elements, there's trust, the gospel's at the center. There is a, a love, a basis of love. There's a mutual commitment to each other. Um, there's an openness to accountability that they would ask, hey, you told me that you were going to work on this. How's that going for you? Um, and it didn't feel threatening. It just felt liberating to be able to say, man, I blew it. And they would come back usually and say, well, how can I help? You yeah. know, rather yeah. than like, well, shame on you or whatever, they, they. You know, they at times would question my intentions if I if I was getting, you know, on the barriers. But most time they came with a presupposition that I intended to do well, but I hadn't done well. And so why was that? And if it was just because I was lazy or I forgot, then they the spirit of God in me would would most of the time bring out like I just blew it, guys. I didn't do it. I dropped the ball or or, you know, whatever. And so I think having some of these elements um, present there, what, what, what are there any other elements that you would think would be important from your experience, Brent?
0: Well, I definitely think accountability is one of those big things, being able to be honest with with some guys about your struggles. I mean, I I have a really good friend who, uh, just a great Christian friend of mine, who's been walking through an issue with a a distant friend of his, a guy who he knew from high school who got involved with some just terrible sin that destroyed his marriage. And I know my friend was speaking with him about how did it, progressed to that level where it ended up destroying his marriage and 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 causing just huge turmoil in his life. And I remember, I know the response that that guy gave to him. He said, he said, I just didn't have anybody to talk to about it. Yeah. And, you know, a, a, a sin that a lot of guys struggle with turned into something that was so much bigger yep. because this person had nobody to talk to. And so I know it, just because of where we all are, uh, that if we don't have someone to confess to, to talk to, to be accountable to, things that are small right now, things that we think are small right now, can spiral out of control really quickly. And so I think it, you know, that kind of accountability is really important. I think the intentionality is really important. I love what you mentioned about gospel centrality. I need to be reminded of the gospel as often as possible. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, the, the moment I lose perspective of that, Uh, everything in my life, my perspective changes on everything that's going on. I feel like the world is spinning out of control, but when I'm reminded of the gospel, of that central fact of all that Jesus has done to save me and all that God has promised me as a result of that, uh, then my perspective becomes so much more clear. And I need people to remind me of that, to call me back to that, to, to affirm uh, the gospel in my life. And so, uh, you know, that gospel centrality, I think is, is just so important. And uh, then just the fellowship. I mean, I wanna have good friends uh, in this journey. I mean, it's just good to be doing uh, serving God with good friends that you know and that you love. It's kind of that mentality of being in the foxhole with some people, you right. know, that uh, as dangers come up, as difficulties come up, you want to have people who you're close to uh, in that fight with you. Uh, and, and those relationships just become so much more meaningful when they're centered around uh, something as important as the gospel. So yeah, I think those are all elements that, that stick out to me as well.
1: Yeah, that's really helpful.
0: Um, let's talk about this. What's the purpose of of intentional, how do we, and Let me ask it this way. Because as we talk about intentional discipleship, there's this idea maybe that some people have: well, we're just going to come off together, and we're just going to talk about scripture, and we're just going to kind of become navel gazers. Right. You know, we're going to look at ourselves all the time and talk about ourselves all the time. How do we make sure that intentional discipleship doesn't just become a support group or doesn't just become uh, a social group? What's, what's the purpose of it?
1: Well, I mean, it goes along with the purpose of our church. We exist to glorify God by making followers of Jesus Christ who are growing and multiplying. And so, if we're not, and, and not that it's radical growth on a weekly basis, but are we moving somewhere? Are we starting to experience some liberty and victory over sin? Are we starting to uh, love our families more? Are we starting to share our faith more? Are we getting to a point where the gospel isn't just a, a passing thought, but an informing um, truth that is a lens by which we view this life? And intentional discipleship brings that to bear. Uh, when we realize we're not in that kind of community, it, it we're missing it. And I've, I've had that before seasons of my faith journey where I'm hanging out with believers a bunch, but we're not talking really about anything uh, substantial. And it's just like, just this loneliness takes place because uh, we're feasting on a bunch of junk food rather than going to the meat. And I think the word of God and and the intentionality of that is, is what brings about this soul nourishment that we need because the ultimate goal is to be conformed more and more to the image of our savior, Jesus Christ. And we're not to do so in isolation, but in community. And so intentional discipleship, discipleship keeps that that why in place uh, we, we begin with the why if we want to grow in our faith and our effectiveness as ambassadors for christ as we minister the gospel um, in our, our own hearts in our families in our neighborhoods in our church uh, and around the world lord willing and so i think that's the the, the ultimate point behind that um, is that we're walking out in obedience making disciples as we go and we're doing so intentionally with some people in our life
0: yeah okay uh, I, I know what, one thing that uh, you've often talked about is it being inwardly cultivating yeah. to be outwardly focused, right. uh, and, and I just can't, can't diminish the importance of that, that we do come around together to provide each other, one another with perspective. But it's for the purpose of going out,
1: absolutely. And if it's not, that's when you start seeing infighting, and we see grudges, or you see because you're, you're feasting on something, but not allowing the, the the spiritual calories, if you will, to fuel the mission outside yeah. and to work through hard things. And yeah. so otherwise, you're just becoming fat Christians. And it fat becomes sheep. boring. Yeah. It
0: becomes boring at that level. Yeah.
1: What's the point? I mean, it's. I mean, I always ask athletes, uh, you know, or you know, my wife uh, was a modern. She did ballet and stuff early, and then did modern dance in college, and I said. What was your favorite part about dancing? She said, The performance. And she, you know, I said, It's so amazing that they would spend hundreds and hundreds of hours rehearsing and working on technique and doing all the things for a 15 minute dance. Uh, or a 10 minute you know 15 minutes total of, of dancing and performance or even an hour performance but they would spend hundreds of hours but a lot of Christians go to practice but they never go to performance yeah and the reality is is the way that we go to the game is saying that hey we're, we're called to be in the game with the Lord making disciples right or at least showing up there to to cheer on those that are doing it or to help those who are broken for you maybe only three people but for a guy that you impact it might be three thousand or three hundred thousand people and so I think if we miss that uh, the purpose, we become inwardly focused and hourly exclusive or not helpful or not missional, and we're denying the gospel at that point.
0: So let's do this, because one of the things we've really tried to focus on at Christ Community Church is this idea of forming community, about being in community group and uh, doing discipleship in community group. We talk about from the stage all the time that discipleship happens in community. Yes. Um, Now, The way we do community is we typically have, you know, three to 12 families in a a community. Absolutely. Um, One of the things we're trying to do is move to something we call discipleship groups, which don't take us out of community. Right. But they help us break down community a little bit into a little bit more manageable sizes so that some intentional discipleship can happen. Talk to us a little bit about these discipleship groups, what they're going to look like, and what is the hope for these discipleship groups?
1: Yeah the hope of the discipleship groups ultimately is for people to because it's still easy to go with you know 14 people in your community group and, and basically get to kind of fade away and not really be known. It's super easy. I mean, you hear that all the time. People don't feel connected, even though they go to community group, or, or, or sometimes they don't. But if they're just showing up to serve, whatever, they might feel connected. But this is an opportunity to take a group and, and then find a few people in that group to connect with, to have a more intentional discipleship group opportunity. And, and yes, there will be temptation for feelings to get hurt. And yes, there will be um, people feeling isolated. But but we have to understand when, when there's a greater vision and mission at hand of making disciples and spurring each other on towards love and good deeds and having some accountability. It just can't be done with seven people in a room. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to have the time to do that and, and the capacity to keep up with that many different people that intimately. And so the idea is taking a couple other, uh, for us, a couple other men and saying, hey, we're going to engage together for at least a season, if not a life, to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And the way I see those multiplying is as we're starting to see people come to faith through our ministry together, that will start branching off with those people reaching more people. But right now, it's just like, hey, we've got to understand that part of the gospel is being known by other believers, um, about knowing God in the context of community so that we can then properly make Him known yeah. to other people.
0: Yeah. I think as we look at these groups, and they will be gender specific, Yes, I mean, men will meet with men, women will meet with women, they'll be smaller so that their more intense conversation can happen. We hope that people will take them and take use them not just to get together to meet, to talk about the latest sports yeah, headlines right. or to uh, talk about politics, but to really ask themselves, what is the next step in my spiritual walk? Where do I need to go next? And to try to move the ball forward and be really intentional about that. So we're really hopeful that people will will take this opportunity to form these discipleship groups to step forward in their faith. Um, uh what do you think is—what do you think are some of the biggest obstacles that these groups will face?
1: Um, you know, commitment. I, th- I think our, our our stage of life for a lot of people in our church, we start out really excited and then we fizzle. I mean, you see that with classes we offer or community groups. This is not me dogging anybody. I, I mean— I understand that, where you start out really excited, but uh, but but when things get challenging or tough, or there's some confrontation, the temptation is going to be to run or avoid or not go. And I think if we can push through some conflict and rightly understand conflict and handle it healthier in healthier ways that people uh, will be blessed in that. I mean, quite honestly, I think if as long as you hold on to a limited understanding of what the gospel really is and what it really means, you're not really going to have much desire to grow. But once you grasp and the Lord helps you to see how much God has given for us to be known by Him, um, and that obedience in response of His grace is to be discipled and make disciples, Um That'll be a vision that transcends our discomfort momentarily to push through and commit to meeting together on a regular basis so that we can then um, make Jesus known. And, and and I think the temptation will be a fear of clicks, but the reality is there's already clicks. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. uh, I think it's more focused that if you have a discipleship group saying, hey, guys, on Sundays when we're at church together, it's fine if we're sitting and talking, but we're not, we're not going to circle up and put our backs to everybody. We're going to open up and include each other and help us meet each other uh, and meet other guys. And then, you know, maybe there's, you know, four groups of discipleship groups that want to go play a small team flag football together or, you know, finding ways to connect that way. I think if we can be inwardly cultivating so that we can be properly outwardly focused, uh, there'll be an opportunity on Sunday to be more aware of new people and trying to help people get connected. And those who are getting connected will then hopefully, Lord willing, through our welcome groups, be able to then either integrate into other groups or form into discipleship groups of their own.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think this is so important. And so as people are listening to this podcast, the way this should look over the next several months is eventually your community group uh, should begin to identify those who are going to be in discipleship groups with one another. Uh, That process can happen slowly or more quickly for groups that are ready to move quickly. But we really want people to try to do this. Uh, We really think it's very important. It's a key aspect of what we're trying to accomplish in community and what we're trying to accomplish with intentional discipleship. And so we hope that our listeners will listen to this. And if you don't currently disciple somebody or you're not currently being discipled, to use this as an opportunity to think about that. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, we want people to think about discipleship more. And we hope that discipleship groups are a vehicle to help you begin thinking about discipleship more. What do you think, Casey? Any last closing thoughts?
1: I remember reading in uh, Mike Breen's book, Building a Discipling Culture, he says, you can start a church service um, and have a church, but that doesn't mean you're going to have disciples. He says, but if you are intentional about making disciples, there will always be the church. And and that's our command and our commission that uh, we have to slow down enough to make opportunities for this to be done well and right so that we can really grow and thrive as a church for generations to come.
0: Well, thanks, Casey. I hope you've uh, enjoyed this series on demystifying discipleship, and we hope that you begin to think about discipleship more. And as you do that, we hope you'll see how the gospel matters in everyday life.